Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. I'm Becca Piastrelli, and this is Belonging, where I talk about what it means to belong to the earth, to yourself, to your ancestors, and in community. Today's episode is addressing a question I got from a DM, a direct message on Instagram from someone who was interested in my thoughts on rites of passage. And paraphrasing, she said, I have left the religion that I was a part of for, you know, the my formative years, my childhood. Uh, that was so, such a part of my family cultural identity. And now I have a young baby and I feel this real severing from a sense of rites of passage and ritual. And I want to know how can we cultivate this when we don't have that religious or cultural foundation. And I read what she wrote and I thought, me too, me too. I too feel this like, whoa, I really need some ritual. I really need some community gathering and witnessing around pretty important stuff that's happening in my life that happens to lots of other people. Uh, And like, what are they doing? No one's talking about what they're doing. And I've been thinking about this. I've been talking about this. So I wanted to go deeper into what to do when we lack rites of passage and ritual in our lives. And first I want to say I am not a rites of passage theorist, and there's some amazing people out there talking about rites of passage. The two people that come to mind are also former guests of this podcast, and that is Lara Valeda Vesta who wrote the book Wild Soul Runes. And she also talks about, we've had, I've had a guest twice on this podcast. She also talks a lot about rites of passage, not just the traditional ones, 
um, but ones that have to do with, for instance, disability or sickness or grief. And the other one is Jessie Harold, who I'm actually in her mother shift program right now, specifically for mamas in that matrescence period, those two to three years of, of really stepping into mother. And I know that she has done a lot of research about rites of passage. So I will start with what is personal and true for me, which is I'll never forget how lost at sea I felt in those first weeks after having Atlas and a real sense of like the severing, which I'll talk about in a moment, which is a huge part of rites of passage or of a a ritual in which you transform. I felt this Well, I'll say when I was pregnant, I started to feel like, oh, I'm entering into a new time in my life. I started to feel the grief of like, goodbye, childless days. And it was all very romantic and beautiful and had a wonderful in-person ritual with my community of women in which I symbolically stepped out of childless woman into mother. And that was so important and beautiful. And then there was the like slamming into the wall that was the first 24 hours, 48 hours of having a crying baby in my arms, recovering from birth, bleeding everywhere, can't go to the bathroom by myself, can't sit up, I'm exhausted and thinking, what the fuck just happened? And I remember in that fourth trimester time, those first three months, I did a lot of going on my phone. And I've shared this before that particularly in the isolation of a new parenthood plus pandemic, which was in full swing in late 2020, I realized that the phone and social media and texting were my primary way of getting my connection needs met. And I've talked to so many women who, you know, you're up in the middle of the night breastfeeding or with a colicky baby, and it's so helpful to be able to text someone or see people posting in a group you're in. So I had my phone. I was fully on it a lot. And I started sharing what I was going through pretty honestly, mostly on Instagram, entirely on Instagram. And I mean, I would post in the middle of the night when I was holding a crying baby. I would post in the morning when I would be absolutely wrecked with exhaustion. I would post when I was nursing. I would post about the spikes of anxiety that would shoot down my spine every time I heard a door crack. I would post about hearing phantom cries or frantically searching under the sheets of my bed for her only to realize she was sound asleep in the bassinet next to me. Apparently this is a thing. I'd post about the sacred relief of my five-minute morning shower. I would post about the grief of realizing my life was forever changed. I would post about wanting to hear from and talk to my friends, but feeling physically unable to actually respond to them. And it wasn't until maybe about like eight months later that I realized why I was doing that and why I wasn't just keeping all those experiences private. And instead like chose to share it and be in connection with people hearing me and responding to me and relating to me. And I realized uh, it was a way of being witnessed. The rite of passage of matrescence and becoming mother, I had a visceral, visceral need to be seen, seen. 
in my transformation. I continue to feel this need, although it's much less visceral. I think that's because I've created more rituals and ways of connecting in more with my community in person and online, but uh, to really feel that I am surrounded and seen and actually crave being told, like, how do you see me differently? What do you see? Uh, What have you seen? So that takes me to this whole concept of a rite of passage, which is a term coined by Arnold van Gennep. He's a French anthropologist and folklorist, and he wrote a book in 1909 called Rites of Passage, Les Rites de Passage. And he didn't come up with the concept, he just named it. This is a universal concept that has been around for all time. And it's really what he named it as an individual's need to be eased through the challenges of transitioning from one social role to the next. So it is by its very definition relational in that the impact is felt in how the community sees you so you can see yourself. And community can be defined in many ways. I'll talk later about how to be witnessed in ways that feel safe. So it has three elements, a rite of passage, separation, or preliminal, transition, or liminal, and reincorporation, or post-liminal. And what I thought was interesting is the root of liminal, the word liminal is limen, Latin for threshold, or the beginning of something new. So the separation phase is what I felt viscerally and like pop in the first few days after giving birth. And some, some folks feel it over time, or it can be symbolized where the person on whom the right is centered is symbolically severed from their old status. In my case, being a childless maiden, if you will. And it can be symbolized in so many ways, cutting hair, walking away from a parent, like perhaps when um, ascending into adulthood, or physically moving the body from one location to another. And then from there is the period of transition or transformation where they are in between phases at the threshold of their new identity, the movement, if you will, from one to the other. And um, this could be spending a few days alone in the wilderness, which is a very old concept in many indigenous cultures, including my own. When I did a ritual for when I was pregnant for stepping to mother, I walked along a rose-strewn corridor in which members of my community held up roses and it was walking through from one place to the other. And then I stepped inside a rose petal circle on the other side. Uh, it can be moving the body and expression of change through dance or song. There are so many ways, or it, it is felt internally and quietly, maybe more subtly. And then the reincorporation, the return to be seen as transformed, to be seen in a new role. And this is the one I'm really craving is to be seen as transforming. So I'm sharing all of this because when I talk about it, and I talk about it a lot, I feel a sense of grief and anger and sadness in my own body and from people that I talk to, a sense of, oh my gosh, that is the way. 
and I don't have it or it's been lost. And there's this, you know, in these modern times, these rights have been lessened or tucked away into smaller, more isolated spaces marked by dogma or likeness, right? By this person who wrote me said, you know, I had it in my religion, but I left my religion, so I don't have it anymore. And this is something I really feel strongly about is that a rite of passage is not exclusively religious. It is our birthright to reclaim and create and be in witness of each other's transformations because you can't live a life without being transformed in many, many ways. And we're living in a time where so many of us are feeling an aching sense of loss of meaning in our lives and disconnection from these old ways of being, ways that give us deeper purpose and understanding of the different stages we naturally move through during our lifetime. And so what is what what is the result of this loss? You know, we're super uncomfortable with death and we can't really show up for each other in our times of grief and sickness or death. Uh, we reject the aging process in our own bodies and others, right? We like sort of frozen in time. We have a fear of the natural world. We want to tame it or kill it off or we're scared of it, whatever it is. We build walls away from it and a separation from seeing each other as transforming. I think a few have lasted through the times, right? The, The most natural one to me is marriage, which not everyone does. But I just notice we have such a lack of ritual and honoring of rites of passage that the ones that have remained, people become, there's almost too much pressure on it. This is my theory. This is my theory about like this whole concept of like bridezillas or monster-in-laws, which is just like so ugh, a misinterpretation. But we we get so jazzed about the ritual. And if it's like one of a few or the only one we can really participate in culturally, I see it at baby showers too. It's just like, what if we can spread that energy and excitement out to be, what if we were every weekend or every month participating in our own or someone else's ritual rite of passage? There can be an easing of the pressure on that, but I digress. So what do we do when we feel like we have no modeling or book that tells us what to do, you know, like what to wear, what to, what to smell, what to cook, what to say when it comes to these moments of meaning in our lives. Uh, and I, my friend, Noelle Ruth, who also helps me edit my book, uh, she sent me uh, a quote from Malidoma Patrice Somay, He's a West African spiritualist practitioner, and he has a book, Ritual, Power, Healing, and Community. And he wrote, without ritual, humans live in nostalgia. Without ritual, humans live in nostalgia. So without the regular practice of ritualizing our lives, all of us, even the, quote, boring lives, we have these moments of meaning and transformation. Without that regular practice, we yearn for times past when things felt more meaningful. This feels true. 
And I think it's because our brains have a tendency, particularly in moments of discomfort or suffering, to recall positive memories over negative ones. It's like a method of mood repair. So we look back with sympathetic affection and a sense that things were in some way, quote, better than. And it's an excellent coping mechanism for challenging mental health moments, but it doesn't serve a deeper need for us to respond to and digest what is happening to us in the present moment. And then we collectively move away from the initiatory experiences of life, like death, birth, marriage, divorce, menopause. For example, there are many, many, many more. And we dwell in the nostalgia of the past so we can't show up for each other in the ways we desperately need. I have been that human who craves it. I mean, I'm the one who's like watching Downton Abbey and reading the books about the red tent and all that stuff. And then seeing myself, you know, with a friend who's suffering and watching how it's actually hard for me to take the steps towards bearing witness to their initiation. And I'm a human being who did not grow up with a lot of rituals, but also craved them. And I would try to seek them out in so many ways. Like I remember I chose to be, to receive communion in the Episcopalian church at the age of 12, strictly because of the ritual, because I loved the incense and the singing and the bells. And I I joined a sorority and my favorite, my favorite day was the day we welcomed in new members and what we wore and what we said and what we spoke and the way we shook hands and all of that. And in my 30s, in the last like, basically decade, I have sought out and made a regular practice of honoring the sacred in my life and realizing, you know, no matter how small and seemingly insignificant, that creates a steadiness in my soul. So I'm not like obsessing over the baby shower. You know what I mean? So when I became pregnant, I could feel how vital it was for me to have rituals where my community could support and witness me in the transition from maiden to mother, if you will, and all the shifts to my identity and ways of life that go along with that. So for the woman who wrote me, for anyone who feels like, oh, there were actually a lot of major transitions I've gone through that did not receive proper honoring. And I'm really sad about that. Feel your grief. Feel that. And I think it's entirely possible. I learned this on the green hills of Ireland from Karen Ward of Shleonkri and Moon Mana, link in the show notes, that we can actually relive those moments with sacred honoring. I've talked about it before. It's a powerful method of reclaiming our ability to ritualize our lives I know we crave the rule book or the, you know, the sacred text and where everyone knows what to do. And we all like, you know, stand in the North and say the same thing and sing the same songs. And also I think there's an opportunity for leadership in our communities, in our lives to model new, healthy, communal ways of ritualizing our lives. I lead these, this workshop passage craft. I led it uh, last spring 
uh, where I had everyone share in the comments, like, what significant initiatory moment in your life do you want to bring ritual to? And I, there were so many, there were so many, like my parents divorced when I was nine and this was a woman in her sixties or my first sexual experience where it didn't feel safe and I wasn't fully conscious. Wow. Or when I graduated from grad school and began, you know, my residency that was in the pandemic and it moved too fast. And I, I'm still back there. I'm not here in this moment now. And then we shared different ways to craft our self-ceremonies, our rituals. Self-ceremony is obviously a ceremony for yourself, but that's a term that Karen Ward uses. But yeah, you can you can craft your own. And I think in this time where so many of us are craving more meaning and there is more of a separation from capital R religion in the culture, that there's a real opportunity to design the ritual you want and then invite in those who you want to witness you and to do the separation, the transformation, and the reincorporation in return. And so a note about witnesses, you know, maybe it needs to be very private, this experience. And the witnesses are the trees, the stones, the water of the river that you're at. Or maybe it's, you know, your past self or your future self witnessing you, your ancestors who come in a good way, spirit guides, or those you have a connection to, angels. So many people have different connection points with that. Or it can be your family, or it can be your beloved friends. Maybe if you're not ready to do things in person, it's over Zoom or FaceTime. Maybe it's your beloved partner. I'm trying to plant the seed with you to start thinking about how to do this for yourself if you, like me, are feeling that disconnection. And let me give you some other examples of different or additional transitions that hold meaning and shift our identity besides like birth, first period, marriage, divorce, pregnancy, menopause, and death, moving into a new home pregnancy loss, adoption, accepting a new job, and completing an old one, shifting to an empty nest, retiring from a job, planting a garden, graduation. I mean, I hear about all kinds of unique and meaningful moments in people's lives, and all of them are worthy of ritual and witnessing. When I was about Six months was part of my cutoff, eight inches of my hair. And I'm looking at it. <laughs> I have it in an abalone shell bowl over here on my sacred altar space. And I have been making a practice of bringing a little bit to the garden, the garden that I garden year round because I live in a place where we never, we don't have like a, a cold snowy winter so I can garden year round. And uh, my friend El Luna talked about introducing your, your cells and DNA to the mycelia of the land. She said that my whole body shivered like, right. I can make it an extended ritual because I have buried some hair before, 
particularly when I notice like my new hair growth coming in. This is this thing that I didn't know. Maybe you know, maybe you don't, that when you give birth to a child, you start getting new hair growth. A lot of hair falls out. It's like the end of a cycle, literally in your cells, and then the beginning of a new one. And so there's lots of birthing folks walking around this world with like awkward bangs <laughs> and flyaways and baby hairs. And I would be one of them. And so I, I was brushing my hair a lot and I was noticing that a lot of hair was coming out into my hairbrush. So I made a practice of burying that hair. But when I cut my hair, that felt like a, okay, this hair growth truly represents a, a different human being. And I am in the liminal right in the slow transformation to being a new a new version of myself and i could i still wonder if i'll do like a hair burning or a, a hair burying with the whole thing but it's been kind of nice to periodically when i go up to the garden to water or prune or weed pull or smell the deliciousness i bring up a little hair and i introduce myself hello Hello, land that has held me and witnessed me in this time of transformation. So perhaps you can start like me with being witnessed in the liminal over social media. Or perhaps you can ask the trees or the clouds in the sky to be your witness. But I, I truly believe rites of passage are not reserved exclusively for any religion or special group or that we have to wait for that in order to get this. They are for all of us. And it is my sincere hope that we can collectively remember and honor that for the rites to come, the transformations to come, and the transformations that have already occurred because we live in whole time as well as linear time. And we can spiral back and we can spiral forward. So I hope that got the juices flowing. And if you are in the transformational experience and finding yourself feeling quite unmoored uh, and like you're being tossed around in the waves of the liminal, uh, right there with you, right there with you, may we find grace in these moments knowing that we aren't where we were and we're not yet arrived to the next place. And that is a natural part of being a part of the living world. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me. I know your time is sacred and the fact that you spent it with me talking about belonging means a lot. If you want to access show notes or links to old episodes, check out belongingpodcast.com. And if you know a friend who could really benefit from listening to this episode, share it with them. I'll talk to you soon.